Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, it's uh, up to 115 degrees Fahrenheit here today in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, I, I know that it sounds cringeworthy to some people, but honestly, doesn't bother me. Uh, that's what air conditioning and swimming pools were made for. Plus, it's true, you probably hear people talk about the difference between a dry heat and a humid heat. Well, after spending so much of the past five years in Puerto Rico and the tropics where there is a rainforest, I can definitely tell you it makes a huge difference to have low humidity. And so um, I actually like it quite a bit. Of course, uh, I've gotten to where I, I enjoy heat more and more as I have gotten older. But yesterday... I decided to get out and explore, take a, a little adventure to a, a local town, and um, and it was pretty hot yesterday also. I believe the hottest day on record in Las Vegas is 117, so today to be at 115, that's pretty close to the record. And you know, we're not all that far from Death Valley, which is the, uh, the hottest place in the country and one of the hottest in the world. So before I began my little adventure, my little road trip yesterday... I decided it was time to go to Sonic, the fast food chain, and have their new invention, the Pickle Slushy. That's right, the Sonic Pickle Slushy. Now, I, I can't remember the last time I ordered a slushy. I've just not, I've just never really been a slushy guy. But I am a pickle guy. I like pickles, and I like mustard, and uh, I like sausages, so I guess there's a little bit of uh, Deutsch in there, a little German being expressed, and uh, in fact, well, I, I, I years ago I was in Key West, and I was introduced there to what is called a pickleback, which is two shot glasses, one of them is filled with uh, a good whiskey. You might even put some Irish whiskey in there like Jameson. The other is filled with pickle juice. Yeah, so just straight from the pickle jar. You open up the jar of pickles, you pour some of the juice into the other shot glass, and the thing is you drink the whiskey and then you chase it with the pickle juice. And again, whether or not you're into whiskey or pickles, they make a great combo. They really do. And uh, it's hard to explain. It's something that you've probably never tasted in, to, to any extent. I mean, I, I guess it's a unique experience. And uh, But yeah, there's something about the whiskey being, all, I don't want to say neutralized by the, the pickle juice, but it's just, it's very complimentary. And I'm a big fan of picklebacks. I don't have them very often. To be honest with you, I don't drink liquor that much anymore. I'm getting too old for that also. <laughs> I don't feel that great the next day after I had some liquor, but but anyway, I definitely enjoy pickle-oriented products. And so, anyway, I saw that Sonic was making the new pickle slushy, and I was like, gotta go to Sonic. So, I mean, it just came out like two days ago, and... Lauren, she felt uncertain about it. She's not nearly as into pickles as I am. So we went to Sonic, and um, the the lady at the drive-thru window, she actually said 
yeah, yeah, I had it, and it wasn't really for me. And so Lauren's like, great. So she ordered uh, a, a small one, and I took a couple sips, and I, you know what? I like it, man. It's good. I, Lauren, yeah, she didn't really care for it so much. She was more like the lady at the at the the window, but I was I was very pleased. It was it's a little too sweet. I wish it were a little less sweet. But if you are into pickles, uh, and you know I'm not being paid to say this, I don't have any kind of deal with Sonic. That would be pretty cool, but I don't. You just go there and uh, get yourself a pickle slushie. We ordered a small one, which was more than enough for the both of us to enjoy, and it only cost 75 cents. But we did that on our way out the door toward our road trip to go to the tiny desert town of Good Springs, Nevada. And I've been wanting to go there for a while because that is where you find the extremely haunted Pioneer Saloon. And I talked about the Pioneer Saloon on a previous podcast. Um, it, it's just like such a stereotypical, just rugged, rundown, old Wild West saloon that's been beautifully preserved. Many of the components inside actually are from as early as the 1860s, but the structure as it stands today was built in 1913, so it's 105 years old. And um, and boy, you can it's got some some personality. That place has been weathered. I mean, it it's been used as a movie set so many times, and it's haunted for a number of reasons. Um, for one thing, you know, the Native Americans considered it a sacred site. There's a big cemetery right down the road. There is mass graves. There have been all kinds of like gun gunfights and you know all that kind of stuff happened around the uh, the pioneer saloon not to mention the fact that that's the same place i i told you um about where clark gable stayed for three days uh nervously awaiting news as to the fate of his wife carol lombard who ended up dead she crashed in an airplane nearby and um they went out and tried to rescue her, but uh, you know, she died right upon impact. But Clark Gable, yeah, for three days, he sat at this bar, and there's a hole on the bar, and they say that's where Clark Gable was crushing out his, his cigarettes uh, the whole time he was sitting there nervously awaiting. But anyway, one of the reasons I brought this up is that one of the fellows that listens to this podcast is named Chaz, and I had the pleasure of meeting him recently. And he showed me a wonderful video from the Pioneer Saloon. Um, Basically, he and a friend were there in, I think, 2011. And they set up a camera inside. And this is after dark. And right in the middle of the bar area is this big, old, heavy-duty, pot-bellied stove. And uh, with a big, heavy door on it. And so they... uh, they secured the area, they made sure the stove door was closed and everything, and then they left the room, and something like maybe not even 30 seconds later, you hear some kind of weird noise, and then you see this big heavy stove door go, and open up, and it's wild, so I wanted to go there and see this area, just do a preliminary, so Lauren and I went there, a beautiful drive, it was pretty cool, because I have a John Williams Greatest Hits CD, of course, John Williams composed all the movie uh, soundtracks, like 
E.T. and Close Encounters and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws and you know, the list goes on and on. So here we are playing like Ray, Indiana Jones music and Close Encounters music as we're driving through these dramatic mountains on these roads that just go as far as the eye can see that look shimmery with the mirage from heat. Um, and so we got out to the Pioneer Saloon, not quite at dusk, but getting close to dusk. It was really just a beautiful lighting. And uh, met a lady there named Jilly, who is a super ghost enthusiast. She actually hosts regular ghost hunts there on, uh, I think, almost a nightly basis. And she was telling me all about the ghosts there, and she was showing me pictures of ghostly things, including two full-bodied apparitions that she'd captured. Uh, real nice lady, very enthusiastic. If you're ever in the area and you're interested in taking, uh, doing a ghost investigation there, it's only about a 35-minute drive from Vegas. Uh, the website is hauntedlockdown.com. So if you've ever watched Ghost Adventures, you know they he's always talking about doing a lockdown. So it's hauntedlockdown.com. And you just talk to Jilly there. And uh, you can tell her you're referred by Joshua Warren, uh, and you listen to my podcast. So anyway, um, to me, though, the most interesting thing, and, and, and everybody there was super nice, and we had, uh, I, we had some beer, we had some fantastic food. Their menu there is killer. It's so great. It's one of the best menus I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not even kidding you. Go to Pioneer Saloon's website and just, like, look at their menu. All right. So anyway... But the thing I was really even more impressed by, I wanted to see this stove, and I wanted to see the setup around the stove. And yeah, I can tell you, after being there in person, I didn't bring any equipment or anything and do any measurements. I was frankly kind of just fly under the radar. I wasn't like there to do a big ghost investigation. I just went there to have have some beer and some food and kind of get the vibe. And... Um, so the 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 stove has a really old hardcore stove and I just can't think of any possible normal explanation for how that thing opened and so um I posted on my Twitter account and my Facebook page uh, a couple of pictures that I took so that you can have a better uh clearer reference uh, understanding of what the area is like so I took one picture uh, just a daylight picture showing the stove and what's around it and then I there and then Lauren took a picture of me standing next to it so you have a little bit of scale and then I also reposted the link to the video that Chaz shot showing that stove door open so um, you, if you want to see that just go to my Twitter feed uh, it's at Joshua P Warren at Joshua P Warren and of course if you go to my uh, website joshuapwarren.com then you can find the uh, Twitter available there as well. So that was a really interesting experience, and uh, I'm definitely going to be going back there at some point and doing a more full-fledged, formal investigation, bringing some more tools and things like that. But that was a really fun day, and uh, then on the way back, we stopped at this little little casino called Gold Strike, and guess what? I struck some gold. I did pretty well there on a machine, a slot machine called the Blob. It was themed after the 1950s horror B movie, The Blob, and uh, so it was. It was a, a fun, profitable day. 
So all that said, um, you know, every single day I have so many options for things to do that it, it really becomes a challenge. You know, I wake up and I'm like, what am I going to do today? And I, as I've told you, I'm going to go off on a pretty extensive adventure next week. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my good friends emailed me today. I, I won't use his name without his permission, but he was saying, oh, oh, that sounds like so much fun. Uh, I used to explore some of those areas, but he's like, you better be really careful, you know. And he was sort of reiterating to me the danger that you can get into if you're not prepared when you're going out into the desert around these parts. So I'm I'm heeding that. I'm taking it all very, very seriously. But uh, as I consider all the things that I do, you know, I get a lot of um, of messages from people. And I I try to answer as many as I can. It's impossible for me to answer all of them. At this point, I easily get, you know, uh, after a show, I'll get a a thousand emails per day, and and that's pretty regular for a few days. And then after that, it's about, you know, maybe a thousand, a little more per week guaranteed. Uh, And and I'm not talking about just like some bullshit spam that comes in i mean these are individual unique people who are emailing me about oh you name it and so um there has been a lot of curiosity about the wands and uh mobius emailed me yesterday and he said you know he said the 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 wands are so popular um that we do get a lot of emails because he he gets part of the emails that come to my company Shadowbox Enterprises. He said we do get a lot of emails from people who they miss the deadline to get one of these wands and they don't understand why they can't get one. So you might want to explain a little bit more about your the the actual process that you go through to make these. And uh and so people will understand that you know you're not just trying to be um, you know, flippant or whatever, but that there is a challenge there that people may not realize is there. And I figured, you know, I've never really talked about the process that I use to make wands. Uh, and so maybe this is a good opportunity to just do that in general and help you understand a little bit more about it. So for me, my fascination with wands began many years ago when I started experimenting with electrostatics. Because I realized that if you take something that's round, like a, a a ball shape, you know, and you put it on some kind of an electrostatic generator, it will build up that energy and hold it. It has a natural capacitance. But if you put something that's linear, especially if it has a pointed end on an electrostatic generator, it allows the energy to flow and that's why you can see it flowing through and spraying out and you can direct it and that's how lightning rods work you know that was a big innovation uh, when Benjamin Franklin invented the lightning rod because people frequently have their homes their their farms you know their barns whatever burned down because of lightning strikes and what Franklin found was that if you put a big long pointed steel rod on top of your house or your barn and then you run a wire from it down to the ground well for one thing you're probably never going to get hit by lightning to begin with because the charge doesn't build up on the top of the house 
because it just sprays it out from the pointed tip of the rod. But if your house does get hit, well, still, you got to back up there because instead, electricity is always looking for the, the fastest, most direct way to get to the ground. And so instead of going through your house and burning your house, it's more likely to just go down the wire and go into the ground and leave your house alone. And so this is a realistic example of how shapes interact with the flow of electrical energy at very least and of course as we know electricity is related to magnetism and i tend to believe that one day we'll find this universal uh, you know uh, unified field theory that will connect gravity and radioactivity and all that stuff together we're not quite there yet but i believe that someday we will be so the idea is that long objects, especially long pointy objects, they have this um, ability to transfer and channel an energy flow in some kind of a particular fashion. So that was my first um, sort of brush with, with fascination when it comes to wands and why wands might be uh, powerful and important. And I talk a lot about wands in my new ebook, Finding Your Magic, which of course is sold with a wand. And um, I have people who say, can I get the ebook without the wand? And, and the answer is, you can, but it's still the same price. You know? So that's the answer to that question. So, um, so basically, um, I went from there into becoming intrigued with all kinds of different materials and how they might um, interact with the... Uh, energy field of a person or a place or a particular environment and so I started taking all kinds of things I could find gemstones and pieces of, of different metals and woods and liquid combinations and taking them into my laboratory and passing all kinds of different energy fields through them and watching how they changed it and manipulated it and so gradually um, I started custom making wands and I and I it began a long time ago with me making wands just for myself, just for me. I'd make a wand just for me to experiment with. And and the first thing I'd do is I'd take components that were showing me interesting results in the lab, and then I would put them all together. And then I would go out and I would test it and I would play with it and I would find holy cow, you get certain combinations of things that are put together just the right way, just the right way. And uh suddenly it's like it clicks and the whole thing works and it starts creating a, a, a reaction that you didn't expect. So basically, um, what I decided to do, uh, well, okay, I, I would take the wand out once in a while when I would demonstrate, you know, what a wand is and people would say, I want one of those. So eventually, it's just like, you know, supply and demand. I enjoy this, uh, making these wands. And so um, I started thinking, well, gosh, if people want these and I enjoy making them, then I'll make a little batch once in a while. And so what I found very quickly is that it is much, much easier to make one wand for yourself than it is to make a batch of them. And uh, let's say it's like baking a cake, okay? If you want to bake a cake, one cake, it's not very hard to go to the grocery store and buy the ingredients that you're going to need to take back home and bake one cake, right? 
Most of us have done that. But if I tell you, bake a hundred cakes, whoa, now everything has changed. Okay, now we're talking about a whole different type of project where we're talking about how long is this going to take? You know, how long are these supplies going to last? Can I even get all these supplies that I need when I need them? If I'm going to buy that many, what's the best way for me to get the best deal on those? I mean, you, now this turns into a gigantic, intricate project. Not to mention, what if I ask you to make 200 cakes? So I started out by making batches that were no more than 50, and even that was hard. Uh, and because the thing is, what I would do is I would always just sort of keep an eye out for something that I felt had an interesting property when it relates to energy, whether it comes from a spiritual tradition or something more physical, you know, regarding physics or whatever. So in all my travels and journeys, I'm always keeping keeping an eye out. You know, uh, if I go to a particular uh, geographic area that has some special supply of something, then I'll, I'll, I'll investigate that. I'll talk to local scientists and researchers and mineralogist you know i i go all the all the time to mineral stores i go to um machine shops and i look at different shapes of metals i go to woodworking shops and i look at different types of woods and different shapes of woods um i mean i'm i'm always playing around with magnets and 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 i just have this kind of like constant invitation out there to the universe like hey if you ever want to show me something cool that is going to click with me, I'm open to it, you know. So so I don't necessarily go out looking for something that would make a great wand. But once in a while, I'll be in the middle of one of my travels or one of my experiments or whatever, and I'll see something, and the light bulb goes off, and I say, man, that's a very interesting property that this thing has. So maybe this could be incorporated into... Uh, a unique and powerful wand design and so then I will go I'll, I'll get that thing and I'll start experimenting with it and see what happens um, and then I'll start thinking about well what are some other things I could combine it with that would magnify its best attributes so for example when it comes to like the forces of nature wand um, that began with me playing around with a magnet and how you could put a magnet into a wand but then I thought, well, hey, what if we put a second magnet in here and we play with the field between these two magnets, especially when they don't want to go together? Let's make them go together, you know, and let's see what happens if we if we actually take, you know, this powerful apparatus and we screw these things with a, we put a, a bolt and nut and we screw them together and we make them encounter each other. What's... And, and, and then, you know, you, well, what's going to happen if you take that energy and you pass that up a coil? And then what's going to happen if we put a third magnet on there and, and try to direct it even more powerfully up? The, and then what's going to happen if all that goes through a quartz crystal? And so I start thinking about, like, you find something cool and then you start imagining how you could combine it with other things. And the next thing you know, I have a, a, a new wand. And so then I want to go out and I want to practice with it. And I usually spend at least a month. And I'll go out and I'll, I'll try manifesting all kinds of different things. And I, I am a firm believer that any wand can be used to manifest anything. But some wands are better than others at a particular thing. 
And so to me, it's kind of like walking into a gymnasium. Uh, when you go into the gym, anything you do in there is going to be beneficial to your body. But the, these dumbbells are going to be better at working out of this specific muscle. And this treadmill is going to be better at working out this specific muscle or organ. And so what you find is that uh, if you really get into wands like I am, you have a nice little collection of wands. And you can use any wand for general manifestation. But some wands just seem to match better with a certain frequency to exercise a certain particular thing. And so then... I will, uh, I'll play with that wand, I'll experiment with that wand, and sometimes the wand will be a dud. Uh, and so I've had some wands where I was just like, you know, this is interesting, I mean, but it's not doing anything special, it's not cracking for me. I don't, if I sell this with a money-back guarantee, I think that people might want their money back, so I don't do it. It's only when I find a wand that I, I have especially manufactured and i'm talking like this is something where i it, it, every centimeter is important we're talking about the uh harmonics between space and distance and the materials that are used and how they interact with each other and it, it, it's just like you know with this new wand i created it has an organite pyramid on top and i've actually gotten messages from people who've been like yeah well i already have an organite pyramid and i'm thinking you, you, but yeah but that's not it that that's like saying that uh you have a tire so you don't need a car it's two different things uh, an organite pyramid on its own is useless if you don't have it connected to the right system and it's just like what if you have a computer and you have a keyboard but you don't have a monitor well you don't it's 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 useless you can't see what you're doing what if you have a monitor, but you don't have a keyboard and a computer? It's useless, right? You, it, it, so no, what I am producing is a combination of things that work in a very particular fashion. And so basically, um, that's how it goes with all these different ones. I find a combo and I'm like, wow, this one is working well enough. I have confidence in this. People are going to really love this. Then I got to figure out how do I make more of these because again it's easy to make one not so easy to make 50 or 100 or the most i've ever made of anything has been 200 i cut it off at that so what i then have to do is i have to go through a very laborious process where i have to first see are there enough things to um to meet you know to supply this demand that i have are there enough gemstones? Are there enough pieces of metal like this? Are there enough pieces of wood like this? Are there enough magnets like this? I mean, sometimes, you, you know, we have to sit down and hand carve things. I mean, we bought, uh, let me see, something like 300 plants one time just so we could take one limb off of each plant to create one-third of each wand. I'm not even kidding you, okay? So the manpower and the, and the hours that are put in to making a batch of these wands, you would not believe. Okay, it's, To me, it's, it's an art and science project. And so there are at least a dozen different components. And, and the first thing is, can we find these components? The second thing is, can we get them affordably? Because 
a lot of these wands that I make, to be honest with you, I should be selling them for over a thousand dollars. And I have done that before, and people have paid that. But I do my damnedest, my damnedest, to keep it below a hundred dollars because I want people to have the ability to enjoy these. And the way I feel about it is, if you're serious about anything in life, you should find a way to to cobble together ninety nine dollars and ninety five cents. If you're not willing to to find a way to do that, it's not for you. Okay, I'd rather you not even have it if it's not important enough for you to pay $99.95 because I'm convinced that every single person who is serious can find a way to do that. And so I keep the cost on these as low as possible and that makes it even harder for me to get these fantastic things. I mean, if you look at the components of these wands that are put together, I, you know, I've I've worked with all kinds of precious stones and gold and I mean, just beautifully like like I'm, I'm talking even historic um you know like wooden hand carved pieces and i mean these are really nice wands and so it uh, sometimes i tr- i want to make a wand i can't even make it because i just can't get the uh, supplies that i need but when all the stars align i get the supplies and i get them at a price that i can consider you know worth my time to even turn this around and do this because look i'm i'm not operating a charity here this is a business and so what I do is I have to take an entire section of whatever my workshop is, and that depends on where I am in the world at that time, and I have to clear it out and turn the whole thing into nothing but a giant workshop for this wand. And I have already designed the thing from head to toe. I've tested it, but now it comes time to manufacturing, and this is where Lauren comes into play, my wife. And uh, so at that point, Lauren and I work together hands-on, and we do everything personally with our own hands. So, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, I had a hacksaw out the other day, and I'm, you know, sawing wood to the certain amounts that I need it, and we're using, we're like hand-drawing and hand-carving things, and I mean, it's just, you wouldn't believe the the way that Lauren and I can work together it's it's a, a great relationship we have and um, we are able to make these things that will be uh, well there look when when I'm dead uh, you're never going to get this kind of stuff again and even Lauren will admit that because she's not the designer of this stuff she's great at you know working with me to build them once I design it but when I'm dead you know these wands will be it so I do think of them as, as being, you know, extremely u- unique and, um, and and really to that extent, uh, works of art. So anyway, um, we put this giant elaborate thing together and I use every single resource that I have. I use every piece, every component and sometimes, yeah, you might end up with an extra piece here or there or whatever, but I do my best so that I make every single wand I can make. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Close up shop, okay? Clear everything out, you know, trash whatever we didn't need, put all the tools away. And then I build a website and I record a video and I explain what I have. And then, boom, the floodgates open and we sell out. So we sell out. And so then 
when somebody contacts me and says, oh, surely you can make one more. Um, now you understand why I can't just make one more for you. Because I would have, for one thing, that, that moment in history is gone. Uh, I would have to pull like all this stuff out again. And I've already used it all. And I've just, you know, I've moved on. I've moved on. And I have my wands, and the people who were paying attention have their wands, but I'm not, you know, and, and that's what Mobius wanted me to clarify. When I say I, I can't make another wand for you, it's not like he actually was saying, you know, you sound like the soup Nazi, like, no more soup for you, no more wand for you. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's just that I, I don't have the time, and, and frankly, even the the inspiration to put together the whole thing again just to make one more extra wand for that one extra person who comes along. Now, that said, I do have people occasionally who buy a wand, let's say they buy uh, two or three because they want to give some away, and they end up where something happened, like a lot of times a guy will buy two wands, one for himself and one for his girlfriend or something like that, and then... um, then he and his girlfriend will break up and he'll be like, oh, you know, I'll just send the wand back. So, I, I mean, I have situations like that where I will end up with somebody who will send a wand back. And so it's always worth contacting me if you're interested in a wand and I'll do my best to work with you. But that's why I want you to understand that it's, uh, when I say I've, I'm releasing a batch of these, it's it's important, it's special, and um, it's a hell of a deal. It's a hell of a deal. So anyway, um, look, I uh, <sighs> I hope that you found that interesting. If not, I apologize for boring you, but there you go. Now that question has been answered. So I've got a bunch of stuff i got to get done tonight, and I'll be giving you all kinds of interesting uh, stories possibly tomorrow as I get closer and closer to the big experiment that I'll be doing very soon. The countdown has begun. So that's it for today. Uh, this podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. And uh, if you go to joshuapwarren.com, joshuapwarren.com, you can learn more about wands, wishing machines, sunshine, simple solar generator for the home, all kinds of stuff. Just click the link to the Curiosity Shop and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can do so through various means or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.